Welcome out to the Bulls and the Bears. This is Aaron Warby. I am going to be by myself today, but we are sponsored by Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education. So if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I love talking um, about what's going on in the market a little bit and try and help people from what's going on in the market understand uh, trading and investing from uh, some of that action. This week's going to be not much different, okay? I've got two questions that came in this week that I thought I would answer um, over the air because I love good questions in class. They always spur, uh, you know, good topics and good learning opportunities, and I want to be able to share that. Um, But the main portion of this is a question that comes up all of the time. So the third, I'm going to answer two questions that came up this week. And the third part, the the end part, I'm going to talk about Tesla. Tesla comes up a lot. Tesla, Bitcoin uh, come up a lot. I'm always surprised that Apple doesn't come up more often, but it doesn't. Okay, but Tesla and Bitcoin uh, do. I expect that someday in the future, NVIDIA is going to be one of those that is constantly coming up in my class. Okay. Uh, five years ago, it was Intel. I don't hear much about Intel anymore, but there's a psychological reason and, and one that you need to understand if you're going to be good at either trading or investing. All right. Because sometimes people try and stay too long at the party and all of a sudden, you know, they're always wondering. Well, Tesla is one of those that we're going to talk about. And, and so we're going to talk about the long-term fate of Tesla because I think it'll be very instructive as to how to look at stocks for their long-term um, opportunity. Okay. But first, we want to talk about uh, some other things. Um, all right. There's uh, the question number one relates a lot to what, what happened over the last couple of weeks uh, here in the markets. Okay. So um, had some students come in and, and the question was, hey, we had good news on the GDP and the PCE today, which is Friday, uh, the 26th of, of uh, January 2024, by the way, um, for me. OK, uh, but, um, you know, this question came up. We had some good news this week with GDP and, and the PCE, but the market was kind of disappointing on the day. Now, last Friday, we did not have good great news, but the market just shot up anyway. Why? All right. Now that's a great question. Understanding why the market moves is, you know, needs to be kind of a focal point for both the trading and investing, because when it comes down to it, there's only one way to do well in the market, and that is buy low and sell high. No matter what you're doing, you're looking to buy low and sell high. And so, you know, whether you like it or not, your job is to find the lows and the highs one way or another. Okay. Now the, the easiest thing to do the, and also the least profitable is just to throw your money at the market and just hope that it goes up over time. All right. Now with some of that, that's hope. Okay. But if you're throwing it at things like uh, the S and P 500 ETF, then there's a, you know, really strong case Um, A lot of numbers that say that you can just leave it there for 20 years and it's going to be worth more at the end of 20 years. That's true, but it's not going to be worth as much as if you had got into Apple 20 years ago. So, you know, take your pick. How well do you want to perform? All right. Anyway, uh, so the question was, we had some great news, but it was not really up on the day. It was kind of flat on the day. 
So what was the difference between this Friday and last Friday where we didn't have any good news, but it all it just shot up and it didn't make any sense to a lot of people. All right. Um, so, you know, I think that it's, it's uh, good to analyze this. But first, I want you to understand that news is a tool used by market makers to create emotions that help drive the price. It's not the, it's not the reason for the price. Okay, but it helps to create the emotions. The emotions are what drives the price, right? If you're bullish, if most, if more, more people out there are bullish than bearish, then the price is going to go up because there's going to be more buyers than sellers. Um, if more people are bearish rather than bullish, then there's going to be more selling than buying. The price is going to go down, all right? And so news simply helps people to feel either bullish or bearish, but it isn't the reason behind the price movement. Uh, uh, so, you know, when it comes down to it, believing that um, when a, a report is released uh, and believing that you're the first one to see it or that the common person is, is the first to, you know, ones to see it, that's a real mistake. Do you really think that the market makers out there didn't see that beforehand? In fact, I would be shocked if they didn't see it two days beforehand, which means that they've already positioned themselves for it, and you're kind of coming late to the game. So even if you catch some of the move, it's not the real move. All right? Um, so, you know, when you're looking at the news, just keep that in mind. Uh, what you want to do is not really follow the news. That's there to create emotion. What you want to do is find what the market makers are doing and tag along. Uh, there's a way to do that, all right? Now, the second thing that you should keep in mind is the report or news event only moves the market if the general public understands how to interpret the information given to them. If the general public doesn't know what to do with the information, you know, if it's too obscure, if it makes them, if it requires too much thought to kind of put the pieces together as to whether it's good for the economy or bad for the economy, if it's going to, you know, which stocks it's going to affect, anything like that, then it's likely to be ignored altogether. All right. Um, again, price moves because of the people that are buying or selling, not simply because of news. And so if the people don't know to either buy or sell, then it's going to go nowhere. And so here we had GDP that came out and it came out much lower than it has been in the past, but better than it was expected. Okay. Well, for the general public, is that good news or bad news? All right. Now, those that understand reports would say, hey, you know, the market builds in um, the expected news. And so when it, it's outside of expectations, there should be a movement. But again, if the general public doesn't know it, yeah, not really. Okay. And so we didn't get a lot of movement off of that. Um, again, the PCE, and if you don't even know what that word means, you know, then, or that, what that acronym means, I'm sorry, then you're probably thinking, all right, yeah, it's going to require too much thought. It, it's, it's the core movement, all right, of of inflation. And it came in lower than expected. In fact, it was the first time that it's been below three uh, month over month for, well, since uh, it got hot back in, uh, what was it, 2021? Or <clears throat> so that should have been good news. But again, there's only f so many people that actually look at that news. Um, it wasn't widely touted. People don't know what to do with it. And so it's really 
not it didn't move the market. All right. Uh, and, you know, so another example today, the report showed that um, that, uh, you know, things were were looking up and that uh, the consumer sentiment was up. That should have been good news, but it's a lagging report, just like the PCE and GDP. And so what people feel has already been priced into the markets and not knowing that the report is even out there, not knowing to uh, where to look for it or how to interpret it didn't move the market. So we had no reaction. All right. However, there was a piece of news that did move some of the market or at least one of the stocks. All right. So um, Intel issued their quarterly earnings report and then gave guidance as to what they expected in the next quarter. The expectation was lower than this quarter, meaning that uh, they expected to earn less than they did this quarter. Uh, well, that's easy enough to understand, all right? If earnings are going to be lower in the future, then everyone knows what to do with that. That's bad for stock. So Intel stock sold off by almost 12% on the day. This frustrated the Intel CEO, and he said that this was an overreaction. Okay, spoken like somebody who doesn't understand uh, price movement in the markets, okay? Because the markets aren't logical, okay? They they really aren't. Uh, uh, this is buying and selling. Um, and you, you know, you're kidding yourself if you think that there is any buying or selling out there that isn't emotional in its nature. Um, it, it's all emotion, and especially in the stock market because, you know, most people don't know how to do the numbers. And the few people that do know how to do the numbers are competing against those that don't know how to do the numbers. They're trying to sell to them or buy from them. And the people that don't know the numbers, you know, are constantly, 90% of the time, you know, feel like the stock should be higher than it, you know, than the uh, numbers would suggest it should be. If you were looking at the company, you know, as, as something that you were buying in whole. And dividing by the number of shares, you know, then you would never pay that price for the company in almost every case out there. But because people don't know how to do that calculation, they simply have to buy and sell on their gut feeling. And 90% of the time, their gut feeling is bullish. And that's why 90% of the time, the market is going up. Now, when people get bearish and it goes down, it goes down hard and fast. So that's why we take the stairs up and the elevator down, right? Uh, you know, but it goes hard and fast down because when people get scared, they get really scared really fast and then they simply do a whole bunch of selling. All right. Well, again, um, you know, trading is done by people. If people are emotional and especially in this game, they're emotional, then we can expect that the price is simply going to follow the emotional promptings that are out there and and you know mostly tend towards the easiest to understand and so if what you've got as the easiest to understand is that when intel says hey guys we're not going to make as much money next quarter as we did this quarter then everybody's going to say all right then i don't need to be you know continuing to buy this company i need to get rid of this company uh, the stock of this company in favor of something that will go up during this quarter and so they're going to dump it off. And that's reflected in the price. It's down 12%. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I want you to remember this conversation because I'm going to go on to a new one now. But the, you know, I'm going to make a point about 
this and what's going on with this and you know at the end of the show when we're talking about tesla just remember the discussion that we had about the reactions in the general public trading because it, it really does have play in tesla all right now before going to question number two let me just explain that why the market shot up last friday because that was part of the question you know we had these reports it went up last friday we had the report or we didn't have any reports uh any really good news last friday but it went up we had reports that should have been um viewed by the public in general as good but it didn't go anywhere today all right well um you know again i'm going to emphasize that the market goes up based on who's buying and selling okay um but on Fridays, there's a kind of a special case, all right, um, because who's buying really kind of alternates by weeks, all right? So if you've been into, uh, if you're a mastermind in the school and you, you were into the last mastermind meeting, uh, then one of the things that I talked about was something called Payday Friday. This is something that I've mentioned on the show a couple of times, okay? But Payday Friday is the day where people get paid but that means that for everybody that has a 401k or mutual funds with automatic um, contributions meaning that it comes directly out of the paycheck then that means that some of the money is going over to the 401ks and mutual funds this is important because of how the mutual funds and the 401ks which are basically just a you know, a, a bunch of mutual funds, if you look at it, okay, um, how they handle things. Because mutual funds don't try and wait around for the best price. They simply do something called dollar cost averaging, meaning that every time they get money, they simply throw it at the market in the exact same things that they were buying before. doesn't matter whether the price is high, price is low, stock market is going up, or stock, mar- stock market is crashing, in any case, they're simply throwing money at the market, okay? All right, now, the price goes up when there is more buying happening than selling. And so, what that means is, on payday, when the 401ks, the mutual funds, they all get their money, and they start just throwing their money at the market, then there's an awful lot of buying power behind those 401ks and those mutual funds. A whole bunch of new money is being pushed into the markets buy these 401ks, mutual funds, you know, IRAs, things like that. It's all being pushed at the market and all at the same time because they always buy on payday Friday. So if you were at my, uh, you know, mastermind meeting, then you would have uh, heard the discussion and we would have looked at the charts and things like that so that you could see that on payday Friday, it's really a bad idea to short, right? You probably want to go long on payday Friday, um, and only in the most unusual of circumstances would you consider a short when new money is just being pushed at, you know, almost anything. All right. Well, last week, last Friday was a payday Friday. Lots of new money coming in. This Friday, not a payday Friday. Now, I'm not saying that nobody was was paid. It was just that the majority of people, the majority of um, employers pay on certain Fridays every other Friday. Um, and it, they've all kind of got together. So if you go to a calendar and look for payday Friday, then there's a couple of places that you can find it. On those days, if you're trading, best to go long instead of short. Okay, you want to be riding this up because again, 
there's a lot of new money coming in, it's most likely going to go up on that day. Uh, it's going to be really hard for it to go down. Um, now, does it happen? Yes, absolutely. When they're, you know, when people are panicking, but it would have probably gone down a lot further had it not been payday Friday. Okay. Um, so, you know, between the two Fridays, uh, the reports were a lot less important than, uh, than the fact that it was payday Friday. If you're a trader, you want to be able to get a hold of this information and learn how to use it to your best advantage. Uh, if you're an investor, you might not want to buy on payday Friday. You'll pay the top price. Okay. All right. Question number two. What happened with natural gas on the 11th of January? So let me give you a little bit of uh, background on this because most of you didn't even recognize that it happened, all right? But it would have been significant if you were into it, all right? Um, But yes, natural gas shot from $6 and change up to $25 and change, all right? Uh, Almost a $19, well, it was a $19 move. A $19 move, that means it went up 300% overnight, Closed out $6 and change, um, I think it was on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, shot up to $25. Well, that was kind of big. You know, 300% overnight, that's that's really big. Now, the background on this is um, I wasn't looking at it either, okay? This uh, was pointed out to me because um, I, don't, I don't generally trade or or even invest in in the exchange traded funds. All right. Now I do tell everybody that if you don't know what you're doing, you should be into exchange traded funds because people that don't know what they're doing really need to do a lot of diversification. And exchange traded funds, uh, typically, at least the S&P 500 exchange traded fund has always performed better than mutual funds. Um, Much better. You know, and so if you don't know what you're doing, then I'm a proponent of that. And so is Warren Buffett. If you do know what you're doing, there might be better things to do. Um, Well, so I had somebody come in and, you know, I often have people come in, especially when they're panicked. I have people coming in showing me that uh, they gave 7,500 to somebody who said they were going to trade for them. And now they're making all kinds of money. uh, And to access the money, all they need to do is, um, you know, send them more money or pay the taxes up front. None of that makes any sense. A lot of scams out there. Okay. So I get a lot of these people coming in asking me, Oh no, what do I do? Is this real? What's going on? Um, and I hate being the bearer of bad news, but at least we can get them on track and teach them how to, uh, how to do it themselves. Right. Okay. But this one, this person came in panicked because, you know, they had learned what, you know, how to, uh, I don't know, trade on YouTube University. I get a lot of YouTube University in my seats. Um, you know, most of, now people don't, that are really doing well in the markets generally don't come and sit in my free class because, well, they're doing really well. And they think that they're above the basics, so they don't need to come to a basics class. So if they're sitting in my seat, and they've already learned or they've already been trading, then it's kind of easy to say, all right, well, you probably learned from uh, YouTube University or one of the, you know, online only uh, instruction type things, uh, canned type uh, classes, things like that. All right. Somebody that hasn't been around for a long time, simply wanting to pick up some extra dollars because you know, now they did a little bit of something once and now they think they know what they're doing. 
right? Uh, a lot of that on YouTube, uh, some of it on uh, just paid channels. All right, but if they're sitting in my seats, then I know that they see that it could work, but they haven't been doing well, right? Anyway, um, this guy learned how to short uh, from YouTube University and decided he was going to, you know, the natural gas had been dropping. Um, and so he decided to short it. And that's what you do when it's dropping. That's, you know, a common uh, trading thing. Uh, but shorting can bite you in the butt if you don't know what you're doing, and especially in the stock market, okay? And so he had a couple of problems. He was shorting. He was in the stock market on, a, on an e ETF. And, um, you know, he comes in panicked because uh, he was shorting it, meaning that, you know, so shorting is something that is done. And the idea is, is that your, bar, your, your broker will let you borrow stock shares, Okay. And so you borrow it and you sell it off when it's high, let the price drop, buy it back when it's low, hand the stock back to the broker, but you keep the difference between your sale, which was high and your buy, which was low. All right. And so it's, it's a way to make money when the market is going down or when some instrument is going down. Well, this guy was shorting natural gas because it had been going down, but all of a sudden on the 11th, um, he wakes up and he looks at his accounts and he's $213,000 in the hole. I know that's scary, right? Uh, now, fortunately, he was just practice trading. He didn't have real money on the line, all right? <laughs> so don't get too worried about, about all of that. But, but he comes in kind of in a panic, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Um, and I, I sit down with him. I'm trying to uh, figure out what happened. And, uh, you know, I, I say, all right, well, tell me about it. And he said, all right, well, I was shorting UNG and uh, I was up, you know, some $63,000 the night before. And all of a sudden I wake up and I'm down 213000 And so we look at the trade. All right. He made a couple of mistakes. All right. That I think are very instructive. So mistake number one, he is trading commodities in the stock market. This is particularly dangerous because the commodities market is a 23-hour market all by itself. But when you're dealing with commodities in stocks, you need to understand that because the, the commodities market is always open, all right, it's only closed for an hour a, a day, you know, that price is constantly churning. Now, it usually doesn't jump $19 all at once, okay? That happened because a report came out and in the commodities market, the commodities, only professionals trade in the commodities market. Or at least I like to think so. Okay. But it's mostly professionals. Professionals do know how to interpret reports. And so when the report came out um, showing that, uh, that the inventories were w well lower than um, was expected, then you know, the professionals knew that there was a supply and demand problem and that the larger companies were going to start... Uh, you know, fighting for what remained of the natural gas, which was going to push the price up naturally. And so all of the professionals started bidding up this um, natural gas before uh, before the contracts could get eaten up by the larger players. Now, eventually the larger players came in and took what they could get, but it had pushed the price from $6 and change up to $25 and change, a $19 difference. Um, and for this poor uh, guy that had you know, purchased, at least practice purchased. All right, so many, or had, I'm sorry, was shorting, had sold off so many shares and now had to buy them back 
he was forced to buy them back at $19 higher than he uh, than he sold it off for. And, you know, that, that, that was an absolutely devastating, would have been if he had been actually in the market. So first problem, he's trading a commodities in a six and a half hour market, the stock market, where the commodities market itself is a 23 hour market and anything can happen inside those 23 hours. He should have been trading in the commodities market if he wants to be trading uh, commodities. Uh, you know, now the second problem is, is I asked him where his stop was. He asked me whether he should use a stop or not. You know, is using a stop a good idea or, you know, or does it get just get in the way? All right. Well, to me, that's kind of like asking whether or not you should wear a seatbelt in the car. And the answer is, is that if you don't use stops or you don't use seatbelts in the car, well, then Darwin is eventually going to eliminate you from the gene pool or, you know, in the market case, it's going to eliminate you from trading and investing because you're out of money. All right, that stop will will come and get you uh, and and drain your money and it's going to be painful enough to knock you out. Uh, you're just not going to have the emotional, um, I don't know, stamina to stay in when, you've, when you keep losing that, that kind of money. So stops are absolutely important. But in his case, the stop wouldn't have worked anyway because there's an overnight gap. Okay, meaning that uh, that stops don't work when uh, the market is closed. And so because he was in the stock market instead of the commodities market, uh, no stop was going to um, was going to catch him, uh, you know, get him out. There was, uh, you know, that uh, what, 11 hour difference, 12 hour difference, oh, 14. I'm sorry. There was a lot of difference, okay? <laughs> Six and a half to uh, 23, yeah, what, 17 hour difference? Uh, where 16, I guess, because the market is closed for one hour. So 16 hour difference where where the commodities traders are trading this and bidding it up and he's just sitting there, he can't do a thing because he's in the stock market, which is closed for that 16 hours, okay? All right. Um, so what can he do about it? Well, first, he needs to stop trading commodities in the stock market, much safer, if you're doing it in the futures market. And I know that you've been told differently, all right? You've probably heard people say, well, you can't trade in the futures market. That's really dangerous. Hey, this is open 23 hours a day. And if you understand stops, then a stop is, you know, your risk is set by the stop. And for the most part, that's going to do okay for you, okay? Um but, and you're going to set the same stop with you know, in the commodities market as you would the, the stock market. And so your risk is the same, at least from the stops point of view, but the hours aren't the same. So you're better off there in the commodities market because the stop works more often, uh, fewer gaps. All right. Uh, all right. Second lesson to learn is if you are going to be in commodities, you have to understand the reports. And you know, need to learn the reporting dates because if you miss that, then you're gonna get you know you're gonna get hit by something really wild like this, and all of a sudden it's going to either make your trade and you got lucky, or you're, it's gonna blow your trade like it did for this poor guy. All right, all right. Third, if you must short in the stock market overnight, don't use the stock. It's much better to simply buy a put. Okay, a put is an option 
And when you buy a put, you have already lost everything you're going to lose. All right. You bought an insurance policy and the price of that insurance policy is all you could possibly lose. I mean, the worst case scenario, it becomes worthless. All right. And it would have certainly under these conditions, if he was put a put on uh, something at $6 and all of a sudden it's up to 23, well, then his put doesn't work anymore. And if you don't know what a put is or how to use it, come into one of our free classes. Okay. Easy. There's online classes. There's in-person classes www.tradingacademy.com will get you to the right class. All right. Um, but using a put much safer, uh, it, if, if it actually does go down, then it, it works just the same. If it goes up instead, you can still sell the put off in most cases, but in the case that it gets worthless, at least you didn't, you know, lose that much. You lost the cost of the put and that's it. Okay. All right. So, um, I hope that uh, that's been interesting to you. If Trina were here, then she would have probably got me to the main topic a little bit faster. But uh, sometimes I, I nerd out and start rambling on things. So the main topic is the long-term fate of Tesla. All right, now in the life of most investors, there is one stock that you get in that years later, your real regret is that you didn't buy more. Okay, now in in my generation, for me at least, uh, it was Fannie Mae, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in 2011, okay? Uh, that was by far my best ever trade because I was buying it at 15 cents knowing that the government was saving these companies. So it wasn't going to go out of business. The stock was at 15 cents. It was likely going to go up from there. And even if it only reached, you know, 30 cents, that's doubling of my money, okay? Which, by the way, after I bought it at 15 cents... Um, it did go up to 30 within a week. So I was already, you know, I was already well up. But this thing goes up to $5.30. Yes, that was a lot of, you know, money. It, 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 that was within 18 months. All right. Now, um, I tell you that because even though, it, it, because, you know, for every trader, there's that one and you just dream about it. And when it makes you a lot of money like that, and I did the right thing and got out with, you know, a good amount of profit, but for the next three years, at least I watched this thing continue to drop, continue to drop, continue to drop it, but salivating over it thinking, all right, well, the government's going to release it. It's going to eventually go, go up to about $25. What if I bought it right now at like a dollar? Because I think right now it's sitting at like a dollar 30. If they released it, it would go up to $25. Well, they never released it, all right? And so anytime I would have gotten back in, it would have been simply losing money. And that's what happens with a lot of people. They fall in love with something and they stay too long at the party. They don't get out at the top and stay out, okay? Um, and so, you know, we've had a couple of companies over the last uh, little while that have really just shot up. And well, two companies, um, if we go back five years, because these are where most of the people are coming in from, and I'll explain why in a, in a few minutes, all right? But uh, we've had the three companies, and it's always surprised me that Apple, I don't get more questions about that, because it's well outperformed Bitcoin and Tesla, but I get a lot of questions about Bitcoin and Tesla. All right, now, I was confused at first um, why I didn't get more Apple questions, and then I realized that Apple is still up near its highs. 
Bitcoin and Tesla are well off their highs and they've dropped quite a bit. And so anybody that bought when it was close to its high is losing money. And so a lot of the angst, a lot of the questions are probably coming from people that got in when it was higher and now it's lower. And their angst is, geez, I really want this to go up. I saw the dream. I saw people making millions by just putting a couple thousand uh, into these companies or, well, Bitcoin's not a company, but, you know, into these things. Um, and and I want that dream. When's it going to go back up? All right. Well, I'm going to refrain from comment on Bitcoin. Okay. If you've been listening to my show for any amount of time, you know how I feel about Bitcoin. Um, you know, drop quarters in a slot machine. It might work. It might not. But uh, until, until the... Uh, you know, ch- blockchain uh, world goes through its dot-com phase, I'm not going to trust any of them, okay? Because uh, just like dot-coms, 90% of them just went out of business. And we've got over 32,000 coins that couldn't possibly become a world uh, coin system. So most of those are going to go out of business eventually. Are you going to pick the one that, that stays in? All right, and you're, if you're thinking that Bitcoin is it, well, you know, when I was young, AOL was it. It was the biggest dot-com company. When was the last time you saw AOL stock? All right, just a thought. But I'm I'm going to stay away from any more talk about Bitcoin. I know I just rambled a little bit about that. But now let's talk about Tesla, okay? So uh, people who saw there's buy-in early, make millions, um, are of course, the biggest disciples because they got in late and now it's dropped and they're behind, you know, they're, they're low on money, but they are absolutely, absolutely convinced that this thing's going back up. And so, you know, they ask me, well, when is Tesla going to go back up? All right. Well, um, also, if you've been listening to the show, you know that the stock doesn't necessarily follow fundamentals. All right. As in fundamentally, what is going on with this company you know, uh, that does that determine the stock price? Uh, short term, no. Okay. But long term, there is going to be there. You do need to look at the fundamentals a little bit and say, okay, over, you know, long term, the realities of the finances of this company are going to tell a long term story. Eventually, even the most emotional investor is going to start catching on you know, as to whether it's a good company or not. Okay. Um, and, and the, the stock price will eventually reflect at least part of that. Uh, so, you know, um, when we're looking at this, we don't want to put too much faith in the current, uh, in the current fundamentals dictating the price, but long-term we are going to look at it. All right. So what do we look at? Well, Part of a company is how well it's going to do in the future, okay? Now, here's the story behind Tesla. Prior to 2021, you know, Tesla was just an innovative company. I mean, you couldn't find a more innovative company. They were the first ones, and and really, they had an oligopy, all right, which is not quite a monopoly, but they were one of the only ones selling a decent electric car. And everybody was in love with this idea, right? Uh, the idea of it. Um, and if you, you know, if you were green at all or anything like that, then you were thinking, hey, yeah, Tesla is the way to go. 
um, and people were throwing money at it and the, and the stock went straight up. And you know what? That was absolutely appropriate because they had an oligopoly. They had something and they didn't have to compete on price and so they could become profitable very quickly. Back then, it was kind of considered a tech company. Okay. All right. Now, here's the problem that Tesla has. 2021, all of the sudden, they don't have an oligopoly. Now they have competition. They didn't used to have competition. Now they have competition. All right. Worldwide, there's BDY. Um, you know, here in the US, everybody's building uh, electric vehicles. I mean, Ford, GM, they all have their electrics. Uh, t Toyota is coming out with theirs. Um, Hyundai has a very strong offering. Uh, Jaguar, for heaven's sakes, has one. Audi has one. Volvo has one. Uh, the VW uh, has one. Everybody's got an electric car these days. All of them have pretty good range. All of them are fairly comfortable. Okay. What does the Tesla have that nobody else has? Well, it used to have a lot. Now it's got competition. All right. Well, that's going to tell a story. That's a fundamental process that's going to tell a story because if everybody is doing the same things as Tesla, then what is Tesla? It used to be a tech company. Now it is a car company, uh, right? They're just another, uh, you know, car sales uh, place. They, they build cars, they sell cars. And, and that's the way, the, that's the way it is. Um, and so now that they've got competition, they can't command the same prices. They, they now have to compete on price. And so you you can expect that that's going to, um, you know, that story is going to be told in their earnings per share. Uh, they now have to spend more on advertising than they used to. That eats up more of their profit. All right. Then now that they have to uh, do a lot more for advertising, they're getting less natural press. People aren't uh, quite as excited about it. Okay. They would rather have the Porsche. Um, or the, the electric Mercedes than they would the Tesla, then there's really, um, you know, they, they now have to pay a lot more for the advertising that they get. And this is going to cost them in their bottom line. And so what we saw is that it peaked in 2011 and now it's dropping. And the question isn't, is it going to continue dropping? Because it has to reflect now the competition that they have, Okay. The question is, is where is it going to stop dropping? Well, from a fundamental standpoint, if this has become just a car company, and I know that some people will still, especially the disciples, right? Oh no, this is Elon Musk. Uh, you know, he's he's got chargers. All right, well, who doesn't have chargers these days? Okay, they're, they're charging stations all over the place. Go to a Walmart, you're going to find a charger. Go to a, you know, a, a lot of the Costco's. Go to a hotel, they've got chargers. Uh, the grocery store behind my house or just down the street from my house has a charger. Uh, everybody's got chargers. Well, Elon Musk has, uh, you know, rockets. No, 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 Tesla does not have rockets. That's SpaceX. Well, they've got internet. Nope, again, different company, not Tesla. Tesla, you know, is competing on cars. Well, Elon Musk is coming up with a new battery. Who isn't? Everybody's coming up with a new battery. That's the name of the game these days. And so, you know, Tesla really doesn't have the kind of edge that they used to. That's going to reflect. Now they are a car company and they are going to start reflecting the car company.
And so if you look at their numbers, one of the important numbers to focus on is what's called the P.E. ratio. That's the price over the earnings. All right. The price of the stock divided by the earnings per share. Now, if you look at all of the sectors, um, if if you're looking at uh, places that uh, I don't know, uh, Johnson and Johnson competes with uh, Gillette for razors, things like that. If you look, then you'll notice that in the individual sectors out there, whether it's food or, you know, or clothing or, or tech, they're all going to have approximately the same PE ratio. All right. They all kind of uh, get there where, where the price uh, divided by the earnings is, is, is about consistent. Um, not exactly consistent, but relatively existent or consistent. And if you look at the car companies out there, their PE ratio is, um, you know, no higher than 10. Uh, Toyota is one of the highest. It's, it's at 10. Ford is, uh, what, seven, six, something like that. GM is, uh, down there in the, in the five per, or five, uh, PE ratio range. Um, and, and so, you know, Tesla for a car company is way outside of, uh, of its peers in terms of, um, the valuation of the stock. And that was okay. As long as they had a monopoly or an oligopy. Now they don't. So eventually it's probably going to reflect the same PE ratio. Well, the only way to reflect the same PE ratio is either for them to make a whole bunch more money per share which is going to be hard now that they're competing, or to have the price go lower. My guess is we're going to continue to see Tesla drop and drop and drop. And, you know, it's not going to be part of the Magnificent Seven for too many more years. That's my guess just based on, on the fundamental analysis. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, once or twice, maybe. But I've been wrong before, all right? I could be wrong. But unless there's something that I'm not seeing here, you know, then uh, that's probably what's going on. All right. Well, as people become less emotional about this stock because, you know, the shine wears off or something like that, and it's been jerkily dropping since uh, 2021, and they're going to get tired of losing, you know, buying, hoping that it goes up and it actually goes down, and now they're losing. As the shine wears off, people become less emotional about the stock, then we're going to have, you know, a lot of the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, but now in the opposite direction, you know, more likely. All right. Right now we've got the coulda, shoulda, wouldas as in I could have bought Tesla back in 2017. I should have bought Tesla back in 2017. I would have, if I would have known. Mm, All right. Well, that's painful. Okay. And so now the question, if it's not Tesla, then what do we buy? Well, if you want to buy a good stock at rock bottom prices, then you find, you know, find a serious dip and then bet on the one with the best finances. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to look at the finances, there's a great book out there. I think it's called Warren Buffett and the Interpretation of Financial Statements. Or you can just come into one of my three-day classes, okay? Uh, And you would get to the three-day class by going to one of my free three-hour classes, All right. So if you want to go to that uh, three-hour class, just go to our website. It's www.tradingacademy.com. If you're in the Phoenix area, you'll notice that there's an in-person class. That's the best way to take the class because then you can ask questions, get your questions answered. If you go to the online, then it's kind of you and, you know, three other, 300 other people online. 
Uh, so you don't get as much personal attention. So if you're in the Phoenix area, I'd love to see you come into one of our three-hour classes and ask your questions. Um, no reason not to do it because it's free. Some good information about trading and investing. All right. Um, hope you've enjoyed this uh, and that you join us again next week. Again, uh, visit us at www.tradingacademy.com and register for one of our uh, free classes. And we will see you next week.